Good day to you. Welcome back to the podcast. It is a beautiful morning here. I am happy to say I'm out in the upper room of my barn um, with some time this morning set aside. The sun's coming up. It's a beautiful day. It's chilly enough that I had to close the door. I had to close the barn door. I wanted it open. Um, but I had so <laughs> the wind's blowing and a uh, little bit chilly. A beautiful fall day. Leaves are changing. The mountains here are just perfect. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Very good time of year. I love it. Um, I was just reading. I was doing some reading this morning. I landed in Acts chapter ten, and it's just, I believe, just really speaking to me this morning. And I just wanted to come out here and record some things and and. I feel like this will probably end up being two parts. Um, There's just some things that that the Lord just continues to confirm through His Word. Like, through the eternal written Word of God, y'all. Like, do we hold that with such value and honor and like supernatural prowess? I mean, the eternal Word of God has made it thousands of years generation upon generation, all the way to us. Like, I have multiple copies and versions of the eternal written Word of God through men in my house. What an awesome privilege we have. Now, I have, I have admittedly, I have trouble sometimes with, like, wondering how adulterated, for lack of better words, like, the word that I have is, what it's missing, what has been mistranslated, misunderstood by the time it has landed to me. But there's just something so freeing and like, I have to give myself to what I have been given. I cannot go and read the Dead Sea Scrolls. I can't go back and have a conversation with Paul and get the first person understanding of what he was exactly saying or intending. I can't interview the people who walked with Jesus. You know, I can't do I So what do I do? Well, I have to give myself in faith with what I do have. Now, I have to give myself to find things that I believe the Spirit confirms are right. I mean, in no way can I believe we can just read whatever version we feel like because it's, well, I can understand it better. Or it's in modern lingo, yet loses the power within the original text the best we can get to. But there's just something about it that like, when when all of the different ways and means that Yahweh God reveals Himself to men through other men, which happened to me last night with some, some people that one person specifically I hadn't seen for, goodness, 10 years. And a, and a brother in the Lord, seemingly, that I have not met yet until last night. And just listening to the testimony of the Lord in another man. So yes, that is a primary component of the word of the Lord coming through his people, through dreams, through visions, 
through prayer, like the meditation of my heart towards God, the ongoing prayer and petition lifestyle, pray without ceasing, the communing with God in, in my spirit, you know, indwelled by the Holy Spirit, and the, and the communing of that, the Holy Spirit teaching us in all things. And then through the written eternal word of God, which we're told is actually living and it's active. I mean, God could have just done anything to speak to us. He could have brought it any way he wants. He could have just sent us a manual, a space manual, (laughs) of rules and laws forever and said, hey, just do this. Y'all are just lowly humans I can't deal with you. I'm holy and I'm lofty and righteous and you can't even know me. (sighs) But that's not the eternal one true God, Elohim of Elohims, Yahweh, eternal. He instead, I'm not trying to be cheesy, but like as I said that and had to clarify, he didn't send us a manual. He sent us what, y'all? Emmanuel. He came and He dwelt among us to redeem us and purchase us and make make us His possession. Oh man, God eternal became a lowly baby and grew up into a young man and gave His every last breath to redeem all of humanity, all of us. That is, oh man, that is the good news. That's the good news. That If that's not good, there is no good, right? And so as I, as, I read, as I began to read this morning, I was going through Acts, and I landed in Acts chapter 10. And I just started reading about Cornelius, and of course this is a story that, you know, most believers would know in pretty good detail. Um... I, I went over and spent some time um, reading about Cornelius and, and the first, you know, the official first Gentile coming into the church. I started poking around in that um, early this year, back in early spring, or maybe even back in the late winter, I don't remember. And so in a sense, it was still fresh in my mind as I'm reading it. But there were just some things that stuck out to me this morning as I spent some time reading it and talking about it with my wife and son. We read it a couple times and just kind of dialogued about what was taking place. And there are just some things that the, the, what's the word? (laughs) I don't know. The, the, the patterns, if you will, within the first part of Acts chapter 10. This will likely be a couple parts here as far as a recorded podcast form. This will probably be two episodes, I'm thinking. And I want to call it, When Heaven Meets Earth. When Heaven Meets Earth. Because friends, we have to reckon with the fact that most of modern day Christianity does not walk in the reality of being a demonstration on earth as it is in heaven. We ourselves, 
myself included, are often just too busy. We're too occupied. We have to do our responsibilities, as I'm saying a lot. We have to raise our families. We have to obviously take care of our financial responsibilities by working jobs. We have to do this. We have to do that. We have a farm here, which does actually take time. It takes, it takes effort to do anything, whether you're tending to cattle and 10 acres of, of fields and fence and all these things, or you're coaching a basketball team. I mean, we all have unique yet similar demands upon our life. And so how do we live on earth as it is in heaven, completely in effect, in and amongst and presiding over in a preeminent way the lifestyle of being a spiritual man? How do we do it? How do we do what we have to do and really keep assessing what do we have to do, which is really where I'm at right now in my life. What is really necessary? What is the Lord ultimately, to the best of what I can ascertain and understand, pleased with me putting my hands to right now? Do I need to just clear the slate of my life? which I love, which is a gift, which is a blessing, which is awesome. But like, whoosh, do I need to just like unplug from all of it? Sell most everything we have and just have next to nothing as far as earthly demands? I don't know. Boy, that's a question in our household all day, every day right now. Lord, what are we doing? What are we doing? We're not in the kingdoms of the world. We're not laboring to be worldly. But you know, it's not really, you get to a point where it's not about that. You know, we're not, our lives aren't about entertainment or success or, or finances or worldly wisdom advancing like, you know, who we are as men. It's not about 401ks and all these things. It's not about that, but yet still stepping back and saying, all right, well, all these things that I give myself to now, Lord, are you, would it please you? Not, is it right or wrong? I mean, let's get past that. Well, is this right or wrong? And if it's okay, then I'll do it. But like living truly from a surrendered place of like, Lord, I'll give everything I have to you. If you desire it, it would be pleasing to you to move me into another way of even way of life. To more fully give myself to the eternal and to others. Again, to cast out the eternal seed that God in his goodness as a gift has given, has, he has given that to me. To what? To reproduce. And so, like, that's kind of where I'm at. It's like, if there's anything keeping me from the reproduction of the kingdom, then, Lord, I don't want it. So, I don't know why I'm even saying that, other than <laughs> that's just kind of where I am. It really has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, which is maybe what I do almost every time I'm on here. Acts chapter 10. I do know the title is what springboarded me there. When heaven meets earth. 
And what I do want to say, just to kind of segue into where I'm going to read the text, is like there are things within these scriptural accounts of the men of God who have gone before us that we have to read and we have to make sure we're rightly appropriating them to be applicable to us today. We're not just reading historical content that is here to stir us up and say, wow, that's so nice, that's so cool. Man, that must have been cool. Philip taken up in the spirit after the baptism of the Ethiopian eunuch. Gone. Oh, wow. Wow, that's so cool. But yet it has no, it has no personal connection to us. It's just a story. It's just an encouraging, cool Bible story. Well, as I, as I often say, I don't believe that's the reason we're given this text. That's not the reason why the eternal word of God has made it to me, to you, to your church, to your family, is to just read it and get like, whoo, wow, that's so cool. But it has no relevance to us today unless we make it some cultural, like, this is, you know, some catchy, cool, sermony thing that's supposed to make it relatable. Well, that's not really the point to me. That's not, that's not how the scriptures work for me. I don't know. So in Acts chapter 10, when heaven meets earth, so Cornelius, this Caesarean centurion, I read a little bit about that this morning in, in some commentaries and concordance stuff because I wanted to get a little more understanding about this man. There's really not a whole lot about him that I can find um, with only a few hours of giving myself to it. He was a part of like a, an army, a battalion of, they're saying, probably 600 men. Um, and obviously he was outside of the church. He was not a part of the church. I mean, the, the, the newness of what the church was, of course, post um, upper room, Holy Spirit, the birthing of the church, right? He, he was not of the Jewish descent. You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't even, I don't know enough to make that clear. So I'm just going to move on because I don't want to try to make it sound like I know something that I don't know. I'm okay with that. But all I know is that, that as we read on in the scriptures, there is a division, there is a distinction between Cornelius and the people of God, okay, as we know, the, the Gentile, yeah, anyway, we'll get to that. But this is what matters, okay, this, let's stick to what we do know that matters, that did mark him in a right sense. So in verse 2 of chapter 10 in Acts, this man Cornelius was a devout man. He was one who, along with his entire household, feared God. He made many charitable donations to the Jewish people and prayed to God always. Um, another version that I have that I read this morning was he feared God with all his household and he gave charity to the Jews. Um, and we'll come around to that later, but it's very important to even add in here. He was compassionate towards the Jewish people. He was a very compassionate man. He prayed to God always. About three o'clock in the afternoon in the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had come to him and said his name, Cornelius. Okay, so this, this 
angel of God in this vision, this, this heavenly encounter, this angel greets Cornelius by identifying his name. He, this angel is making it clear from the very beginning, I know who you are. Cornelius was frightened, and he stared intently at the angel and said, What is it, Lord? Like, sir, an honorable uh, moniker, a, a, a response to what? Whoa, okay, sir. <laughs> oh, wow, I don't know what's going on here. And the angel said to him, Cornelius, Your prayers and gifts of charity have ascended as a memorial offering before God, an offering made in remembrance of his past blessings. And then he goes on to give him some instructions. Now send men to Joppa and have them call for a man named Simon, who's also called Peter, and invite him here. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who was speaking to Cornelius had gone, he called his servants and a devout soldier from among his own personal attendants. And after explaining everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Okay, so let's just stop there for a second. So Cornelius, and we'll go on because the scriptures even tell us more about him in a little bit. He has this vision. He has this angelic encounter. Okay, basically, let me just throw this in there. If I got on this broadcast, this podcast this morning, and I recorded these things word for word that I personally experienced, can we not say, and you just pose this question to yourself, would you think that I was probably a little bit off? If I started this podcast this morning and said, y'all, this morning during my prayer time, an angel walked into my barn and began speaking to me and told me some, thing, some specific instructions about how myself or anyone else is supposed to go down to a city 36 miles south of here and meet someone and tell them XXX. Now, let's be honest. Most people who would hear that would be extremely curiously hesitant to believe that is true. You would have some questions, and I would say I probably would too. I'd be like, oh, are you sure now? Come on. Okay, and that's what I want to start to insert into your thinking as we go through this text. Okay, because again, my title of this, When Heaven Meets Earth. Okay, and I'm going to keep saying this throughout this series, should it become one, is this is Acts chapter 10. This is the New Testament church. This is the post-resurrection, new age shift, post-Messiah, post-kingdom coming in a way it did not presently exist on the earth. And again, this is the age that you and I now live in. Okay, again, this is not the ancient prophets of the Old Testament text. This is the New Testament church age, which we, in fact, are now in. And I'll say this, and I'll move on. But here's the question. Where is this today? Where is this? Okay? Where is this in today's church that you know, and not that you know, but that you are a part of? 
Should you be in him? Should you really be in in the kingdom? Again, born again, born of the spirit, born of the water, and you dwell in the eternal kingdom of God as a resident, inhabitant. It is your dwelling. It should be on earth as it is in heaven. So we're going to pick up Acts chapter 10. And uh, let's see, verse 9. So Cornelius has had this vision. He is encountered by an angel. Angel gives him a direction. His first thing, respond, respond, respond. Boom, okay, the angel walks out the door or flutters out through the, who knows, I don't know. This, and again, the scriptures will tell us more about what Cornelius even experienced as he goes and meets Peter. And so immediately he calls his men in, reiterates what just happened. He tells his, his soldiers, servants, you know, who they were is really irrelevant. People even get hung up on that stuff. He tells his friends, we'll even say, look, this is what just happened. This is what the angel of the Lord told me, and this is what you are going to do. So he sends them off. There's no rebuttal. There's no seemingly like, we don't believe you. You're out of your mind. Okay, off they go. The next day, as they were on their way, and they were approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof of the house about the sixth hour around noon to pray. Okay, so he goes. Now, like, this is the awesome testimony of the Word of God. It's like reading a story. It's like reading awesome narratives. Like, okay, so now we're introduced to Peter. Here's Peter's circumstance. What's he doing? He's up praying. A dedicated time of hearing the Word of the Lord, communicating with God. So he's up on the roof, he's praying. He got hungry. He wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Whoa, 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 what? Okay, he fell into a trance. Oh, we're, we're talking crazy, right? Oh, well, he was, just, he was just having a little daydream. You know, like I've heard so many people like try to make sense of this and remove the supernatural qualities within it, which is just so ridiculous to me. And again, let me just say, I start off this podcast 22 minutes ago. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. Good morning. I just want to get up and I wanted to record what happened to me this morning while I was in a trance. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm hoping that this, my point is beginning to, you know, come into the end of the tunnel down here a little bit and come closer and come closer. What if I started this podcast off saying, when I was in a trance this morning, as I was praying in my barn to the Lord, dot, dot, dot. But again, when heaven meets earth, and what did he see? He's hungry. His stomach's growling. So he somehow he orders some food to be prepared. You know, he, he picks up his phone and he, he calls for some takeout. And while it's on the way coming, he falls into a trance. What did he see? The sky opened up. Something like a great sheet descended, lowering to the ground by its four, corner, four corners on the earth. And it goes on. You know, people make this all about, like, food, what's clean, what's unclean, and all that business. It has nothing to do with that. It was God revealing to him what was to happen in the natural through a way that Peter could understand. Let's just make it very simple. This isn't about what you're supposed to eat and what you're not, from my opinion. So anyway, there's this back and forth about being ceremonially unclean. 
He can't eat something unholy. He's never done that before. What are you talking about? But the voice came to him a second time. What God has cleansed and pronounced clean, no longer consider it unholy or common. This happened three times. Why? Because Peter probably just continued on saying, No way! No way! No way! I've never eaten bacon in my life, God! I've never done these things that are unholy. There's no way. He understood. Like, he, he, well, he, he's about to, but I mean, he understood the, the, the abstaining part. Like, you don't do that. He understood what that part of this, this um, trance was, was bringing about and speaking to him. It happened three times, and then immediately, shoo, the object was taken up into heaven. Now Peter was still perplexed. He was completely at a loss as to what in the world his vision could mean when the men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions to his house, arrived at the gate. And so, okay, so this scenario was so awesome to me. The angel of the Lord comes to Cornelius. Cornelius responds in absolute perfect, fast obedience, sends his men down. The best I can see from a study of days that we are given, it probably took them two days to get there. So it was like 35, 36 miles. You know, they rode camels, donkeys, who knows? They hopped in an Uber and went down. I don't know. But they go down there 30-some miles, probably takes two days from what I can come up with. And so during this time, Peter's having this vision, this trance when he's up on his rooftop praying to the Lord in the middle of the day. And the Lord begins to reveal to him something that's offensive to him. He's like, I can't eat that. Don't you know your own rules? I'm a rule keeper. I'm a law keeper. I can't eat that. He's perplexed. He's at a loss as to what in the world this vision could mean. As he's in that moment, having that wrestling within him, these men from Cornelius' house are coming up to his gate. And they called out to ask whether Simon, who was also called Peter, was staying there. While Peter was thoughtfully considering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Listen, three men are looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitating, without doubting, because I have sent them myself. Response? No, Lord, nuh-uh, no, uh-uh. I don't understand, no. Peter got up and he went down to the men and he said, quote, I am the one you're looking for. For what reason have you come? So here we are again. Here's the pattern, the pattern, the pattern. It is crystal clear. The word of the Lord comes through Cornelius, comes to him. Okay, yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because he, you know, there's, I don't know what he had experienced up until then. This was very possible, his, his first encounter with an angel. I don't know. He sends the men. As the men are going, Peter is, is communing with God. He is availing himself to receive the word of the Lord. Well, it comes in a trance, in a vision. And during that vision, he's confused. He's perplexed. I have no idea what this means. What are you saying? Then he hears someone calling out his name from the gate. Hey, is this Peter's house? Hello? Oh, so he starts to walk. And the Spirit himself says what? Listen, 
Three men are looking for you. Go downstairs and go with them. And what does he do? He goes downstairs and he goes to them. And what happens? I'm the one you're looking for, but I still don't know why you're here. He didn't say, all right, Holy Spirit, all right, Spirit of the living God, tell me why they're here, and I'll go down there. Does this have something to do with my, my trance, my vision? Give me some insight, please, and I'll go. No. The Spirit said, go downstairs, Peter. Okay. He goes downstairs, says, the Spirit of the Lord just told me you're here for me, but I have no clue why you're here. What are you doing here? Why are you looking for me? They said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, well spoken of by all of the Jewish people, he was, in, he was divinely instructed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear what you have to say. Y'all, do we hear what that says? Can you imagine that? So these men tell Peter, this is an answer to your question about why are we here. Okay, so Peter invites them in, and he gave them a place to stay. He's, they stayed the night with him. Man, can you imagine what it would have been like sitting around the fire listening to that conversation that night? From these outsider men coming from a stranger who had a, who had a vision where an angel spoke to him. And Peter just had a trance of vision where, where he was spoken to. And then the Spirit, capital S, gave him verbal instructions to go down and meet men who are looking for him. Oh, y'all. And so I'm going to end that right there. We're going to pick up. We're going to make it part two coming up next. Y'all, this is, this is what's living and active. Part two, when heaven meets the earth, Coming up next.